Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hey friend, to cut to the chase, it's going to be a really great podcast today. I just uh, finished recording this yesterday afternoon podcast with Bob Mantell, where um, he works for Elation, really cool guy. I didn't realize, um, but his job is actually really just to talk to people, pay attention to what's going on in lighting, and um, learn from it, and and teach basically Elation's uh, product team how to make great products. So I have a chat with him today. It's going to be really exciting because we talk about LEDs, all about LEDs and quality what what you get when you buy a more expensive LED versus a less expensive and just in general, how to make good purchasing decisions, right? We go into not only like, okay, how to buy and how to find nice LEDs, but also, hey, if you don't have the budget for good LEDs, but you still want new house lights or new stage lights, here's how to find stuff that will work and will leave you happy for years to come and still, you know, hit a more reasonable budget. So without further ado, let's hop into my interview with Bob. All right, so this week on the show, I've got Bob Mentel here from Elation Lighting. He is the vertical market manager, and all that really matters to you, as we were just chatting about, is that means he specializes in uh, working with the people that aren't basically in concert touring at Elation, if that's a good summary of it. Is that a good summary? Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah more, <laughs> more or less. The nature of a lot of the guys there. Yep. Mm-hmm. More or less. But your day-to-day job, as we were just chatting about, is basically like just talking to customers, people that buy Elation stuff, and mm-hmm. then bringing what you talk to them about back to Elation so that the mm-hmm. new stuff that Elation comes out with, the marketing, et cetera, meets the needs mm-hmm. of, of people in all sorts of different baskets, per se. You know, people in mm-hmm. churches, people in other in theaters, people who are in bands, whatever. Correct. Yeah, I'm. I'm not necessarily a salesperson. I'm a resource uh, for customers, um, talking to them about unique situations that they face. Feedback on products, so that I can take it back to Matthias and the product team. I have a direct line. Of, I just got off the phone with Matthias. Actually, we were talking. About <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. um, so uh, you know, that's a unique role that I. I I bring in to to the team because they they were very well represented in the live event um, uh, live production corporate event type um, knowledge base and so bringing another set of eyes into the company um, to give uh, feedback and resources and knowledge um, I also do. Uh, I know we talked about elation. I do work for the ADJ group as a whole. So I am one of two employees, actually, uh, actually, maybe technically three, but I work for the entire corporation of ADJ, ADJ group of companies. Um, And under that corporate umbrella is elation, like we spoke about, ADJ, Global Trust, Avante, Obsidian Control Systems, and Acclaim Lighting. So I bring that that mindset to all of the teams um, and different, you know, different in different ways to each team, depending on where their strengths and weaknesses lie. Awesome. So, yeah, so that's an introduction to who Bob is. Um, He's fairly new to me as he is to you, but he's one of those people that people have mentioned to me over the past few years, been like, hey, this guy kind of does sort of the same stuff you do, but in Mm -hmm. a different way. And and it's great to connect. Um, And so today what we're going to talk about is, um, Choosing LED lights for house lighting and stage, um, mm-hmm. because one of the basically 
the thought to kick this off and what um, brought me to, I had this on my schedule and then I thought of you, uh, was that I, I see two situations that go on. Um, the first is that somebody goes ahead and they buy some lights, you know, they buy some RGBW, maybe some RGBA, LED PARs. They set them up for their church or their theater as their stage front wash, and then they're not happy with it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, but I read, or sometimes the sales guy said, or sometimes mm-hmm. I just assumed that because these had a white LED in them or an amber, mm-hmm. that they look good. And, and the same goes for on the house light. You know, sometimes people repurpose basically an LED par designed for stage. They hang mm-hmm. it as a house light. And then they say, wow, it looks funky in here when things are white. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the main thing, the first thing, main thing I want to talk about today. Um, Bob also writes, by the way, um, you write in the, uh, what is that? The Worship, oh, I had Worship it over there. Worship AVL Magazine. Yeah. Is a magazine that I do, I've been doing monthly articles for them. Um, I've done a few articles for a, a few other magazines, mostly Houses of Worship. Um, but Worship ABL approached me to start doing a monthly uh, uh, contribution. So, um, yeah, I, I actually recently wrote one regarding uh, house lights. Um, it very, it's, it's, a, it's a hot topic right now in Houses of Worship and some theaters as well. Um, because a lot of people want the, the feeling of inclusion to, to go past the stage line. You know, um, and one way to do that is to kind of start lighting the audience. Very similarly to how we in live productions will shine movers on the audience and beam projection, um, you know, grazing the audience and stuff uh, makes you feel like you're you're part of the concert. Um, and they want to do that uh, in part for houses worship and in theaters as well, more so on the house of worship side. And oh, I'm sorry, I don't know if you can hear my dogs there. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so. So they want to have that feeling of inclusion um, and more so on the house of worship side than the theatrical side. However, there are some benefits of doing it on the theatrical side as well. As far as the house of worship side, um, you're, you're usually dealing um, with the need to have good white light um, and, um, and then colored as, as well. Yeah. So it's a and both and situation. Exactly. So some houses of worship will have two systems, um, and then they can get away with, um, maybe a little, uh, less coverage with the colored light or maybe a little less expensive colored light because they're not worried about a good white, um, uh, product, uh, being broadcast out of the fixture. Um, but there are also, you know, you have two different uh, houses of worship that sometimes you deal with, um, traditional or contemporary. And some, some uh, and, in, and what I mean by that is traditional as in um, the, the style of worship that they, that they uh, are uh, using, traditional hymns, maybe an organ or piano, something like that. Yeah, and this Not goes to say, yeah, and this goes to say, as you and I both know, we have to put people into these two buckets, especially mm-hmm. in churches, so that we have somebody to talk to. But exactly. it's really 
a whole spectrum Mm -hmm. where people sit on various places in the midst and outside of these these two these two buckets but anyways as you were saying no no and then and then contemporary is more what uh we think of as um more contemporary worship so they might have rock they might have you know rock style bands playing the the worship hymns and maybe the the pastor doesn't wear a robe he wears a t-shirt you know, something of that nature. So yeah. a lot more laid back uh, worship style at times. And those those types of, of uh, churches tend to um, want more colored lights and more spectacle, um, much more uh, entertaining uh, a- aspect and, and um, environment for the worshipers. So then you have these churches in the middle that are either a little of both or they're hybrid. Maybe the first service is traditional. The second service is, is contemporary. And so they need a system to function as both. So you'd need fixtures that are going to um, provide a good quality white light. And even a contemporary service, um, you're going to need a good quality white light for entering and exiting and emergency situations. And maybe something, an event is taking place in the space that is not worship and you just need some general lighting. So white light is still very important um, in those, in those areas as well. And, you know, house lighting can run the gamut. Um, There are very much more architectural uh, house lights that are available and those are usually going to be um, easier to install for the electrician. Sometimes they're just, you know, switched on and off or just line dimmed, main dimmed. And they're made for architectural situations um, just to provide general lighting. And those are usually going to be a little cheaper because they do less. Um, and they're not, um, they have less uh, a, a controllability as far as, you know, it's main dim only or maybe it's zero to ten. Uh, there are a lot of architectural lights that are zero to 10 as well. Um, but again, it's only going to be one color temperature of white light. And so you have that option. Um, but as you kind of go add options to your lighting fixtures, you add cost. So some, some places, some venues want colored light. And so they look at the various options on the market. And there are certainly... Um, some manufacturers that make and produce light fixtures that can function very well as house lights. Um, They will have a decent color engine, um, maybe red, green, blue, and amber that with a more advanced controller, you can kind of dial in a decent white light Um, or they have a red, green, blue, white chip, you know, whatever. And there's this, a lot of options. Yeah. And that brings up an excellent point, actually, that, as you mentioned, a, a good quality LED does matter to mm-hmm. get a good, pleasing to the eye light mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. going into all the science. Um, yeah. You know, that's an excellent point to note that um, if I look at the cheapest LED par that I can buy on the market, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think about, too, the uh, Color Kinetics Color Blast, you know, mm-hmm. the, which is an mm-hmm. older LED fixture. And mm-hmm. those two often look kind of similar, you know, because one's very old, but was the good one, Mm -hmm. and one's Mm -hmm. very new, but is the bad one. Mm -hmm. But then Mm -hmm. if we spend as much as we spent on the Color Blast 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or 15, on something new, we get, even if it's the same LEDs, you know, RGB white, the same colors, and obviously not the same physical LED or same quality, um, 
what we get is vastly different. What we see visually mm-hmm. is Absolutely. much, much yeah. better. Um, you know, LED is is a technology, you know, and it's 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 an it's a piece of electronic circuitry, really, is what it is. And, yeah, so it's not um, like the old light bulbs. Correct, where, and where and what you bought was kind of you know exactly the, the filament is the 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 technology and filament has changed very little over the you know hundred plus years that it's been around. Yes, gases that they put in the light bulb itself have changed. Yes, materials for the filament itself have changed. But the product is still very similar to what you're used to, that warm incandescent glow. Yeah, they really just got more efficient. They didn't exactly. change how they looked. Yeah, Exactly. So LEDs have improved in a handful of ways. One uh, definitely is intensity available. Um, that is something that is constantly changing. Um, I uh, Back, this was probably five years ago, they were, they were putting out statements that um, LEDs LED diodes are increasing in brightness uh, 100% every 18 months. Yeah. Um, wow. And I don't know, that's, that's leveled off because obviously we're, we're, we're getting to a point where efficacy of the LED diode is maxing out. So, okay. Um, so and, for, the, for the person who hasn't heard that word, he didn't just yes. say efficiency. Yes, he efficacy. Said a different word, yeah. Yes, efficacy. It's a little different. It's um, it is essentially the it is kind of the efficiency of the LED. How much wattage do you put into the diode, and how many lumens does it output for that wattage? And it's a ratio. Um, and so that is what is uh, referred to as efficacy. Yeah, um, based off of the word effective. Is it effective? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, um, we are reaching that peak for LED diodes. Um, so really the, the, the changes are, yes, we are going to still see some brightness in LED diodes, but the thing that is going to continue to improve is CRI, which is color rendering index, which, which, um, uh, which equates to how well, when this LED is on, does red look red, does green look green and so on and so forth. So, um, that is what we're going to continue to see improving in LEDs. So, um, it is a technology. It's not necessarily um, to, uh, something to think of as it's an LED is an LED. Um, what we have today is, is going to be antiquated in, in five years, in two years. Um, they're just not going to be nearly as good. Um, you know, look at the formulation, the Artiste Da Vinci product that we, uh, that we have here. Um, it's a spotlight, a uh, moving head spotlight. And it's a 300 watt, that's 370 or something watt LED engine. And that was great at the time. And it was really bright at the time. Now we have three years later, we have a 950 watt LED engine and the CR in our Artiste Monet and the CRI is uh, much higher. Um, So we're able to get better LEDs now um, that can do a better job of reproducing color as you expect it to look. And I think that's one of the most important things of LED technology. Like we discussed earlier, you know, the red, green, blue, amber, turn them all on. um, What's the quality of light? Um, Obviously, there's some adjustment that can be made, but the, the quality of the red, green, and blue diodes and the consistency in the color spectrum as they were being manufactured um, was variable and, uh, and it was a very wide gamut. So now as we 
refine the, the manufacturing process of making the actual LEDs, we're becoming more accurate in reproducing um, the diodes consistently. Um, there's a process referred to as binning. When you make a, when you make a million diodes, you're gonna, going to get a million different color temperatures, maybe not. Or, 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 slight variations. Yes, you're yeah. going to get slight variations, even within the exact same batch. And so uh, the manufacturers then go do a process referred to as binning, where they look at the light and they see what spectrum it's actually producing. Um, and it gets sorted into different bins. Um, and as a manufacturer of a lighting fixture, what you tell those LED producers is, I want an LED and I want it to have this level of variation from this color red that I prefer. And for us at Elation, that, that bin is very tight. It's very, we don't like a lot of variation. We want very consistent product. And, as, and, and because of that, when you make a million LED diodes, maybe only 100 fit in our bin fit in our specified um, uh, spectrum. So that costs a lot because they have to make a million to get the hundred that we need. Obviously the rest aren't wasted, they're sold off. So as you, as you go down in quality of LED, the binning gets larger. So the consistency is, is less, hmm. um, but the cost is less. So these, the very cheap fixtures that are available to purchase and install, you have to look at the consistency of color um, not just within the fixture, but across units. You may have two, you may purchase two, three units and you turn on the red at full and you should have consistent color and you're going to have variation because they're using a wider bin. Um, and so they're allowing for uh, more variation in color consistency. So when you pay more for a fixture, you're, you're getting um, sometimes not necessarily um visible right away on paper, the differences. Um, but when you really see it with your eyes, that's where the, the variation really starts to come into play. Um, cause light is light. It's very visual. Sometimes you need to see it. Um, some of the other things that you're not going to get with more entry level fixtures. So, you know, quality of LEDs, quality of color, um, and consistency across units. The other thing is, you know, LED fixtures, and this is most lighting fixtures today, aside from your standard incandescent fixture. LED fixtures need to be thought of as an electronic device. It's not a lighting fixture like we used to know. Um, you plug it into a, uh, an outlet and it turns on. Well, there's a lot of internal electronics now, even in the very simple PARs. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So the other things that go into a lighting fixture are all of those other electronics. And so when you pay less, you're getting lower quality electronics. Um, devices called LED drivers, those are the actual devices that, that tell the LEDs how fast to, to strobe. LEDs actually um, are not a constant light source. They're actually strobing very fast. It's, it's referred to as a refresh rate. Um, and so the drivers are telling it how often to strobe to um, equate to different brightnesses and, and um, things of that nature. So uh, the driver can be a lower quality, which means the dimming can be substandard, um, especially on the low end. The other things are fans can be cheaper quality fans 
so they are louder. And in houses of worship, that can be uh, very distracting uh, to have a lot of fans in the ceiling running and lower quality fans. Yeah, because you talk about, too, you've got one or two or four, you may not mm-hmm, hear it much, mm-hmm. but then when you get your number up to 30 or 40, yeah, suddenly it's it's obnoxious. It's very distracting, yeah, especially, you know, when, when you want your congregation to be praying or focusing on Scripture and it's quiet. Um Hearing the the hum of fans isn't always uh, isn't always um, you know uh, comforting. So you know fans can be can be purchased that are cheaper. So there's all there's a lot of components that go into a simple lighting fixture. That as you go down in price, you go down in quality, and um, and you know you can also expect them not to last as long. Um, so usually, you know, the, a lighting fixture manufacturer, whether it's, you know, us or, or direct from China, they're going to say these LEDs will last you 50,000 hours. Well, that's great. LED diodes will last 50,000 hours, most likely. If they're cooled. But yeah, it's, yeah. Yes, if they're properly cooled. Um, but it's all of the other internal electronics that probably don't have a 50,000 hour life, life uh, span, life expectancy. So... Um, those are the things that are just as important as a good quality LED. It's, uh, you know, it's high quality fans and drivers, um, and things of that nature, good quality heat, um, dissipation because with LEDs, although we say they're run cool, they actually do make heat. Um, and, and heat and cooling the LED array is extremely important and can have a direct influence on the intensity of the the fixture the lifespan of the fixture um and um the cooling system is just as important uh as the leds themselves so inferior cooling or inappropriately sized or engineered cooling can have a detrimental effect of to the fixture itself and give you a lower um life expectancy so you know there's a lot of things to take into account um, when looking at fixtures, as you move up market, as you move up price, you're going to start seeing fixtures that, you know, have brighter LEDs, higher CRI, you know, that's great. There's other things that, um, you want to take into account as well. And that's the power supplies. Again, these are pieces of electronics. Uh, these are electrical devices. They have power supplies, um, very similar to your computer. You have a brick on, on, uh, the, the power plug that's, you know, your power supply. Um, fixtures have those two. And lower quality fixtures, those power supplies uh, are not going to be rated to be left on for a real long time. They create heat as well because they're changing that AC power to a DC, um, uh, DC supply. And those create heat and they can cause issues. So sometimes they need to be cycled. And then um, you also are going to have as, as you move up market, you're going to have better quality power supplies. You're also going to have most, most of the time, as you reach a certain point, um, usually it's about $1,000 a fixture. You're going to start seeing convection cooled. Mm-hmm. So now you don't have to worry Yay. about fans. Yeah, no more fans. So it's going to be a completely silent fixture. The, the cooling is going to be um, well-engineered, uh, so you don't need a fan. You're going to have high output. The power supply is going to be... Um, a better power supply so it won't have to be cycled on and off as many 
as many times. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things to, to take into account. And as you move up market two, you're going to have options for maybe different housings, shrouds to cover the fixtures so it doesn't look like an ugly entertainment style fixture. Yeah, some people will care, some won't, right? The yeah, more exactly, yep. Mm-hmm. Usually, the more contemporary modern churches are less likely to care about that, right? Oh, That's, usually they want to see it. You know, yeah, it's part of that, part of the uh, vibe that they're going for. Um, you you want to look for replaceable lenses usually um, because um, you know not every light fixture is is going to be the exact same distance from the floor, especially if you have risers in your space. So you know, replaceable lensing or lensing options. Um, the other thing too is, is entertainment, lower quality fixtures and more entry level fixtures are going to have entertainment style connectors. We'll say Neutrik style connectors, not always Neutrik brand, but Neutrik style XLRs, (laughs) um, PowerCon or PowerCon compatible fixtures. And when you're an electrician, um, going to install these fixtures, you don't know how to solder. Of course, there's probably a lot of electricians that do know how to solder, but most commercial electricians don't want to pull out a soldering iron to to install 50 or 60 well, house yeah, lights. It's a lot more labor. Oh, tons more labor. Yeah. So um, they uh, they as you move up market, you're going to have better options as far as the actual installation. What is the process? Do you need to include XLR connectors or do you have terminal strips? So can you take that wire, that power supply and the, and the control signal, whether it be zero to 10 or DMX and wire it directly onto a terminal strip? So those are things, something that's something you're going to want to think of as well. How nice do you, do you want to be to your, uh, install installing electrician? Well, um, it's not just about being nice though. It's about the yeah, labor cost. It is cost because labor is the you, most expensive yeah, part. So why would you spend more on labor and get an inferior product when you could yeah. shift the scale, keep your budget the same, get something nicer, yeah. and wait, mm-hmm. you didn't pay anymore. Yeah, I've I've definitely quoted out, uh, you know, in my previous life, a couple options. You know, here's option A, it's a cheaper fixture, but you need to talk to your electrician. You're going to need to show them these cut sheets and show them the process of soldering on XLR connectors. And um, they may say, see, power <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. And then here's option B, where you're spending a couple hundred bucks more a fixture, but you don't have the additional cost of XLRs. You don't have the additional cost of labor, which is the most expensive part. Labor truly is the most expensive part of an installation. Um, and sometimes it's it's about even. So um, that's definitely something you're going to want to take into account as well, is just the the ease of installation um, once, you know, once, once you actually hand it over to your electrician. They... Um, and then possibly protocol. You know, what what protocol do you want to use? Do you want to use DMX? Um, or, you know, 0 to 10 is very common in architectural applications. So a lot of, uh, a lot of electricians know about 0 to 10 and can wire 0 to 10. DMX, they're not as familiar with. Um, so it might take some education on your part to talk to the, to the installing electricians. Or do you want to do wireless? There's there's wireless options out there as well. We make a couple uh, at Elation. We make a couple options that have wireless DMX. Um, wireless is great, and in some applications, it's the best solution when dealing with houses of worship. Sometimes you're in uh, historic buildings, yeah. And uh, wiring, running new wiring is very difficult. So all there is there is power. So wireless is usually the best option. 
And but, yeah, with wireless, I often tell people, as you might have been about to say, like, if you're in a building, especially that's standing alone, and mm-hmm. you're not like in a super congested, like downtown area, you know, you've basically got control of your airspace, you know, mm-hmm. of what's flying through the air wirelessly, then mm-hmm. go ahead if you want to. You know, yeah. if you're in a space where there's lots of wireless activity around you from other businesses, other buildings, maybe you're in a super downtown area, then you might really want to consider talking to a network professional before you you bring any wireless in yeah, because you could uh, have reliability issues down the road. Absolutely. And it's only going to get worse, especially, uh, you know, now that obviously we, we, most of us, this is learned stage lighting, but um, just a little bit of information about the spectrum issues going on right now. You know, the, the, uh, the federal government about two years ago sold off another big chunk of the, of the, of the uh, spectrum and the frequency spectrum. And a lot of that space was taken up by, by uh, microphones, wireless microphones. And, you know, it's illegal to be operating in the 600 megahertz bandwidth right now. And it has been for a year or two, but they actually didn't, the wireless carriers that bought that spectrum didn't flip the switch yet. And they are now flipping the switches and now people are having issues and their wireless microphones don't work. So there's, they're moving to different technologies. One of those technologies is 2.4 gigahertz. So, which is exactly the Wi-Fi spectrum. So, you know, I, I digressed a little bit there, but um, all, all that I'm saying is uh, the live entertainment um, uh, industry is facing this, this inability or this lack of space in the wireless spectrum. And the more things we put on there, the more issues we're going to have. So, I would, I, you know, I always say copper is better, um, yeah. especially for permanent installations. You know, if it's going to be there forever, um, you should really consider taking the time and spending the money and having it run, having the data, having the wire run, um, because the wireless spectrum is, is wild, wild west right now a little bit. And it has been for a while, but it's getting worse. Um, and uh, especially now that you might have to buy new microphones and, you want to put them on 2.4 gig there. Now there's even more traffic before you do any wireless. Um, um, and I'm not discounting the products that any wireless DMX manufacturers make. Yeah. You there's know, some great ones, but if absolutely. the spectrum's clogged up in, in the space you're in, it's not going to work no matter how good it is. There's not much you can do. So, um, so I would suggest looking at the spectrum before you installing, you know, you can download a good handful of apps on your phone. That'll show you a picture of the spectrum. Um, and seeing if it's crowded and if it's crowded, maybe you want to really seriously consider running wire, um, of some sort, but, um, you know, it's, it, sometimes you're stuck with wireless. And in that case, you're just going to want to be careful of how many Wi-Fi routers and what, what bandwidth they're running on. Maybe they can get moved to a five gig, um, instead of the 2.4, which is more common. Um, things, th- you know, making sure your microphones, if you have to buy new ones, aren't going to land in the 2.4. Um, so just little things like that to protect your signal um, as you integrate more more equipment is going to be um, very important, especially if you're going to rely on that wireless DMX. Um, yeah. Yeah. Two so, quick wireless um, nightmare examples from when I used to do um, live productions pretty much full time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number one is... You're doing a corporate event in a ballroom, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that they're filming Celebrity Fight Night literally across the loading dock from you. Mm-hmm. 
and you've got all of these, um, all the major TV stations, all this other press and all this other stuff. And literally, wireless microphones don't work right. 2.4 gigahertz sure isn't going to work right. Even Mm -hmm. 5.6 gigahertz wasn't working right. You know, and so if you're in a space where you might be downtown and that kind of thing could happen, you Mm want to consider that. Mm -hmm. Number two is the, what we call the bad implementation, as you were noting. You know, you got to watch and work with your network people and make sure that if it's a church, wherever, you've got good people installing this stuff and thinking about the other users in the space. Because Mm -hmm. um, I walked into a brand new building, client I had worked with a bunch of times. We had done this show for years, but they built a brand new building. And up in the ceiling, you know, there's a big grid of access points, probably every 20 feet on on a grid, you know, so there were probably, I don't know, 100 in the room. And they were all broadcasting full power, and they were staggered, so they used all the bands. (laughs) Oh, wow. You literally, I mean, we had, you know, talk about wireless. I wasn't running any wireless stuff um, because I had Mm -hmm. no need to. You know, it was a lighting rig. You know, I Mm got to get power to all the lights from a power distro, so why not run a wire alongside it for data? But, you know, Clearcom, you know, any mics that were in that frequency Mm -hmm. range, in-ear stuff like that, you know, no, it wasn't going to (laughs) work. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's becoming more and more difficult as more, you know, wireless devices are created, and everyone everyone wants more cell phone data, and that's why you know we're having the problem is, you know, everyone wants to stream movies on their cell phones and have that convenience, which is great. Uh, but yeah, it, we love know, it. We yeah. sacrifice in in other ways, you know. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. um, you know, the <laughs> we digress, but <laughs> back uh, to lights. <laughs> yeah, back to lighting. Um. So the other thing with house lights is is if you if you're retrofitting, um, there are certainly some options out there. Um, some manufacturers make some very high quality LED retrofit lamps, and um, one of them is uh, RLED. Um, uh, they make very good high quality fixtures, uh, or excuse me, screw in replacements. They have all different uh, connector types. I'm not super familiar with their product line, uh, but I am aware of it. And I have looked at it and it is very good product. And for some, some applications, that would be a very good option as well, a retrofit application. And um, you want a really good high quality light fixture or excuse me, LED lamp. And the reason that this brand is so good or does so well is it works with, um, with our dimming systems that we use with mm. SCRs mm-hmm. and they dim very well on it. And a lot of churches have dimming systems mm-hmm. that, so that they can have control of their architectural lighting. And maybe they're not looking, maybe they're more traditional and they don't want colored lights and so in this case, they have installed light cans and they want to replace those bulbs with LEDs. So they just go down to Home Depot and, you know, buy the cheapest LED par on the market and screw it in and they get popcorning and they get ghosting and they get bad fades and all of this. And now it's, and the worst you know, will be in a few years when some of them die. And then exactly. you have mismatched ones that you've replaced them exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're never going to um, match. Um, and so that's another big issue that houses of worship and, and theaters too are facing um, because everybody wants to go LED everywhere. And we have in our industry just put, we want control of everything in our space. You know, we want to have control of the house. We want to have control of the stage and we want to create the whole environment. So, 
um, we put them on our dimming racks of all different shapes and sizes. And now in this new, uh, this new era of LED lighting, which is, you know, there will be a, it's only a matter of time before this is all that's around. Um, it's just, that's the writing on the wall. Incandescents are dying. Look at the power lamp. It's, you know, the power lamp is, is dead. Um, so, uh, the, um, the, the churches, the want to go led, they have decent fixtures in the ceiling. Let's just go buy some led lights. Um, and so they screw them in and you get issues. And there's a few reasons why that is, um, most of the time it's just the quality of the light bulb itself the replacement lamp they're using inferior drivers like we talked about earlier um an led fixture even the little you know replaceable light bulbs that you buy at your big box store um they are an electronic device they're not just a light bulb anymore Mm -hmm. there are there are electronics in it there are led drivers and things of that nature so um when you just screw them in you have these electronics that are expecting um, a certain type of power. Um, yes, because a household dimmer is different from a correct, stage dimmer. Correct. The way that they modify the, the AC sine wave is different. Um, and uh, LED house lights need, or excuse me, yeah, well, yeah, LED um, residential bulbs or, you know, just standard uh, bulbs need constant um, AC wave, but we chop the wave is what we do. Um, you know, in layman's terms, we kind of cut it and we don't let it f- come to a, f- a full form uh, uh, in a sine wave. So um, the internal electronics of those lamps are not made for that type of power. And so they don't work right. They just wait. They cannot work effectively or efficiently. And so you'll get a plethora of issues. Um, and so then you get calls from Hustles of Worship saying, how, you know, what's wrong now? Um, I put in new light bulbs and nothing works. So you can either replace the dimming or you can replace the bulbs. So um, the product uh, that I have used on, um, on SCR dimmer very well is the RLED product. It dims extremely well, even on the back end. Um, no ghosting, popping, things of that nature. So that's a very good quality replacement. It's not cheap, though. You're going to pay probably just as much as a as a new light fixture, but you save money and labor because it's a direct fixture replacement. You just unscrew the old one and put the new one in. Um, exactly. So I think, yeah. you know, if we're basically what we're trying to, to come up with here and basically, you mm-hmm. know, recommending to people is like, hey, you know, if you have no, if you don't have a budget, a huge budget to install super nice, you know, color changing, Mm -hmm. you know, RGBA house lights or something like that, then step down and instead of buying a cheap color changing light and trying to Mm -hmm. use it as a house light, you'll be much more satisfied if you choose a white only light, you know, maybe a retrofit Mm -hmm. or something like that. Correct. Still get that energy efficiency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just, kind of offering other options because you know for some some venues uh colored changing light isn't um isn't necessary um sometimes they want to stick with their house their current house lighting but add you know color changing house lights so but they still want leds in the main uh, architectural lighting system and so you know you're dealing with trying to figure out what will work with your system obviously you can change the dimming but that's very expensive um, so what I have suggested to, uh, to many companies or excuse me, uh, customers 
is buy a handful of lights, uh, light bulbs. You're going to need three to four, usually minimum of each kind, each type. So go to, you know, there, there are some higher quality ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to go to a big box store, go to the big box store and look at the different options, buy three, at least three to four of each one that you want to try. And that will give you a good sense. Make sure you place those three or four lights in a single circuit. If you have multiple circuits within your house light system, um, and put three to four in also make sure to unscrew the incandescent bulbs because, um, LEDs, another thing that you get is, is called ghosting. And the, what happens is they stay on even though it's off. And that's because our dimmers, uh, leak voltage. Yeah. They really like to have a load on them, a exactly. certain amount of wattage basically. Exactly. And they can get very unhappy if they don't have that. Exactly. And so what happens is LEDs need so little power to run, they will turn on from that leak voltage. And so you, when you're testing out bulbs, you want to have enough um, that's going to give you some draw on, on the circuit, but you also want to make sure to remove any incandescent lights because that's going to give you almost a false positive, you know, really is kind of thinking because those are going to suck up the incandescent lights are going to soak up the, the bad power and things of that nature. And then now you can evaluate what lights will work. And if you find a, a light fixture that works well with your system, buy enough to replace all Every lamp in the system plus 10% more. So if you have 100 lights in your house light system, buy 110 lamps. And once those 110 are gone, because you're going to have some early failures. Yep. Some are going to fail early. That way you have 10 from the exact same batch and they're going to match. And when those are gone, start the whole process over again. Because LED manufacturers, the replacement lamps are notorious for swamping components and things of that nature. And once those lamps die in five years, or if you get good lifespan out of them, five to 10 years, better technology is going to be on the market anyway. So you're going to want to reevaluate them anyway, start from the process from the beginning. But um, it's a process. Don't just do it, you know, wander down to Home Depot or, you know, Lowe's or whatever your preferred big box store is and just pick a light. It's a process yeah. to get a good um, to get a good product. You have to actually do a little bit of work, um, testing different options out, and then buying them all at once. Don't do different. You know, I've gone into different houses where they have some from this batch, some from this manufacturer. Here's a different wattage, a different. It looks horrible. You want a good quality product in your space. You want a good quality um, uh, look. You're going to want to do it properly. And uh, make sure to buy spares because you will have a couple of early failures. And the only way to ensure even a month down the road, Mm -hmm. if one goes out and you buy a new one, those manufacturers change things and they don't tell anybody. They'll change a driver and that driver can make that whole light just completely uncompatible with your system. They do because, yeah, if you're not working with somebody who's designing for the stage industry, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then they're not concerned about this because they're thinking exactly. about you're standing in a space and you might only be able to see five light bulbs. And mm-hmm. so they don't really have to match. Yep. That's different yep. from, from the settings that we run into. Exactly. So that's a different process, but it is still a process that comes up fairly often um, in theaters and houses of worship because that led move is kind of 
um, forcing us to, to do so. It's difficult to find replacement incandescent lamps anymore for, for almost anything. So um, just making sure you're, you're doing it the right way and, 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 and doing the process and um, actually uh, step your way through it instead of just letting an administrator come to you and say, you need to do this. So you just go to the store and buy some, but um, you know, take your time and, and you'll be happier, happier with the results. Sometimes it takes a long, uh, a, a lot of searching to find a good quality um, replacement light. But we have the internet and, you know, definitely, <laughs> you know, reach out to people too. look at what dimmer you have and put it out on forums. Say, hey, I have these dimmers. What lights work well? What have you found that's good product? You know, people are willing to help. So. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask. You've got the internet or, you know, if you work with a system integrator, you know, if you've ever worked with an mm-hmm. installation company, you know, I've got a friend, I've got, well, I've got a bunch of people that run these kind of companies now, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I've got a friend who, who runs one and he's like, oh yeah, if you want to do, you know, replacement, he's like, I've got this model from GE that I really like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's, you know, good and suited for our industry. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think that, uh, that wraps it up well, Bob. I think yeah. so. Yeah. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about LEDs, quality, things like that. And I hope uh, people can walk away from this episode basically realizing that um, it is possible, even on a lower budget, to have mm-hmm. good LED house lighting. But you're not going to get all the bells and whistles, and it might mm-hmm. take some more work. If mm-hmm. you're willing to spend more, you'll get all the bells and whistles. But I think the biggest thing to send home, and, and I like the, the way that Bob uh, talks about things here because, you know, he works for Elation, but he's not afraid to mention that other put companies make good stuff. Um, you know that Elation doesn't exactly make, you know, like the, the retrofit stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the thing to take home is don't try to, like, cheat the system and buy something cheap that, that you think might work um, because it probably won't be good in the long run. Mm-hmm. And we want yeah, you to be happy in the long run. It's about being, you know, uh, it's about being happy with with the outcome, um, happy with the product um, and the the system that you purchase. But it's also about being judicious with your funding because a lot of houses of worship and and theaters have limited funds, so you get to do it once. And if it's not what you like, you know, if it's not quite right, you're stuck with it. Um, cause funding's not going to be around again yeah. for a while. So it's just being judicious, doing the process, um, taking everything to account and, you know, think of it as it should be. And it's a major upgrade really in some cases. So really taking your time and doing it, um, and evaluating it fully is, is definitely important. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. 